beauty in its highest form. Yeah. Mm. Um, hey guys. What's up? Hey. How are you all doing today? Doing well. Doing yeah. well. James, what about you? I just moved. Yeah, you're tired probably, aren't you? I am very tired and sore. Yes. Yeah, so guys, don't hold this episode against him, okay? <laughs> He's mentally fatigued and exhaustly. Or Exhaust- physically. <laughs> exhaustly. Who's physically the tired fatigued. one? I know, I am so sleepy, you guys. I'm f- well, we have a doubleheader to record tonight. Yeah, we're recording two episodes tonight, but yeah. guys, we've been... We've had a, a sick toddler for the past five days, and Ooh. she's finally starting to get better, but they put her on this medicine that has her wired. Uh. So her energy levels these past couple of days has been out the roof. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm exhausted too, James. Well, I'm <laughs> probably more exhausted than you are, let's could, be honest. Could be. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's been a long time since we've recorded. I mean, other than moving, James, how are your spiders doing? Are they transitioning to your new home? Spice likes it better. Oh. Yeah. Like, I think that she was too close to a water line or something because I, I think there was vibrations because she's been out and about a lot. Okay. I was going to ask you, how can you tell whether your spider prefers one home over the other? Like, yeah. do they tell you? She has been in full exploration mode, like, all day, every day. It's been great. And- from my understanding, Chartreuse was not pleased. That is correct. Chartreuse was not pleased. Chartreuse, what a grump. Yeah. You guys, what are we talking about? Oh, well, uh, did we even introduce ourselves? Nope. No. Well, uh, hi, 13th Floor here. I am Cece. I'm Alex. I'm James. And this is the 13th Floor Podcast. If you've already tuned into a minute and a half of the show, I'm sure you already know that. But um, <laughs> today we're talking about angels. Yeah. Angels. This topic was submitted to us by Ashley. So, Ashley, thank you for sending in this request because it's been a treat to research because it's like I felt like I knew a lot about angels and then I started researching and I was just like, no, I don't know a darn thing about mm. angels. Mm. <sighs> so, anyways, <laughs> you put me in my place. Um, should we say hello to our listeners from around the globe? Yeah. All right, Alex, talk talk to James while I pull up our map. James. <laughs> You moved. I did. Good for you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> it's a very nice looking place from the picture you sent. Ah, thanks. The picture, you guys. Mm-hmm. I looked at the location, which I will not disclose on this podcast. Yeah. And uh, yeah, our next social media feed, we're going to be posting my coordinates. <laughs> yes. Okay, you guys. So today we want to say hello to our listeners. We got a new listen in South Australia. Which I don't think that we've ever had any listeners in South Australia. So thank you, South Australia. Nice. In Canada, we're going to give a hearty hello to British Columbia. And Alex, here in the States, point to the map. You pointed to an ocean. Point again. (laughs) You pointed to a state that's not listening to us, Kansas. Where are you? (laughs) And finally, we're going to say hello to Arizona. So Arizona, hola. And thank you for listening. And wherever you're listening in the world, Thank you for tuning in because, <laughs> as you guys know, this podcast would be nothing if no one listened to it. <laughs> so thank you for tuning in and making all of this worthwhile. So what's our icebreaker today, you guys? Mm. I don't even know. I don't have one. James. Uh, I know you're ooh. fatigued, but. Let's see. Ooh, okay. I got one. Um, you know, one big issue in theology regarding angels is the nature of free will. So here's my question. Do you think the world would function better if people did not have free will? Yeah, that's it. 
<laughs> Jeez Louise, James. Wow. Well, actually, yeah, better, just... actually, let's let's have a start starter question. So this is a two parter. One, do you oh. believe in free will? Do I believe mm. in free will? You know, that's a hard one because it's like, hmm. But <laughs> yeah, I believe in free will. I believe okay. in free will, free will as well. I think that we can do what we want. James, I have a feeling you're going to say no. Uh, yeah, no. Um, I'm skeptical of free will. Not because I don't think that people make choices or that someone else is pulling the strings. But here's the thing. Every decision you make is the best decision you think in that circumstance, given what you know. Well, if that's the case, then if everybody's making a decision based entirely on what they know, then they're de- completely dependent on what they've been exposed to. So it would stand a reason that everything happens in stages that have already been, you know, in a manner of speaking, preordained. Mm. My brain is spinning, James. Sounds like semantics to me. We watched, what was that, what was that, uh, TV show that we watch where it's like there's no such thing as free will. Uh, Who's it? It had Ron Swanson in it. I have no idea. Oh, devs. Oh, devs. Devs. Hmm. I need that to check that out. That was a really good out. show. Hmm. Yeah, it had a lot to do with free will. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, given that you both believe in free will, do you think that the world would run better if people didn't? I don't know if it would run better, but it would run more. What's the word I'm looking for? According to plan. <laughs> I mean, I guess, yeah, literally. Because, yeah. I mean, this is the thing. Like, if even if, if there was no such thing as free will, like, yeah, we're trying to make the best decision in the moment, but half the time those decisions aren't the best best decision. Mm. So even if it didn't exist, there would still be bad things that happen, you know? Mm. So what you're saying yeah. is you're a theological fascist. <laughs> make that up. Mm. I don't – James, how dare you? <laughs> oh, man. Hmm. Uh, Alex, what about you? No, it'd run the. I mean, Hmm. I don't see. I don't see why it would run any better without free will or with free will. This is the thing. Oh, Oh, no, go on. No, no, no. My point's done. I guess. (laughs) You you paused. I thought you were finished. No, this is. And I completely lost my train of thought. So you interrupted me. I can't believe this threw you guys off the rails like this. Wow, this is great. Listen, free will. doesn't exist so me interrupting you wasn't my fault <laughs> 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 all, right, all right i think that's enough here james has gotten me all in a tizzy in my brain so how about we talk about angels you guys sounds good here we go here we go we're talking about angels today angels so james i think that you're gonna start us off today and you were talking about pre-biblical angels right that's right Whew. Yeah. All right, James. Yeah, there, there's a lot of interesting things. There's there's two ways to look at pre-biblical angels because angels do originate the way we think of them as messengers of Yahweh uh, from Judaism and as such from the Old Testament of what we call the Bible. That being said, there are, there's two sort of linear paths that we can look at from before then that can relate to how we think of angels now and. Let's start with the simplest one first, and that is the appearance of angels. And I know, Cece, you're going to cover a little bit of that. But let's talk about comma. Um, and and a lot of people who don't know what comma is, you probably know what the comma sutra is, which is to say a, a textbook regarding mm, marital relations. Well, comma it means desire. And in Hinduism, there's actually a deity named Kama. And... What's interesting about this guy is 
you can see the influence that he has over other incarnations in other forms of Indo-European uh, pagan beliefs. So here's here's the deal with Kama. Kama had a bow and arrow, and he would fire arrows at people and make them fall in love. So he would cause that desire. It probably sounds a little familiar to those of it you sure who are, does. yeah. So one day he decides he's going to uh, cause Shiva to feel desire. And the thing about Shiva is he's basically like masculinity personified on several levels, and he is really, really, really not one to be swayed by desire. So he's meditating, and Kama sneaks up on him, and he's going to you know, shoot him with his bow and arrow. Well, Shiva opens his third eye, the one in the middle of his forehead, which we've talked about numerous times at this point, uh, that's often symbolized uh, for the pineal gland. But anyway, he opens his third eye, and when Shiva opens his third eye, it just burns Kama to cinders. Mm. So Kama's flipping dead. Desire is dead. So this causes a huge problem because without desire, things on earth and other mortal worlds means there's no new organisms being born. So ultimately what happens, and there's different variations of the story who does this, but bottom line, Kama becomes resurrected. He becomes sort of an ethereal being. Uh, And as such, he can really sneak up on people after that without any kind of fear because he's sort of ghostly. And that corresponds in two different ways. One, the more uh, ethereal, disembodied notion of angels that have become much more popular in uh, uh, Christianity. And secondly, and we, we see this little, you know, evolution here, comma becomes Cupid. And Cupid is what we often think of when we think of the phenotype for angels, but it really comes all, it stretches into paganism. The phenotype that we associate with angels is inherently a pre-biblical notion that has no direct connection to angels as heavenly messengers whatsoever. Another variant view of angels, uh, does correspond to them as being messengers, but it's regarding the role that they play, the gods that they're messengers for, and what they appear to be. So in Babylonian and Phoenician belief structures, we also saw angels. They just weren't called angels, and they were winged human beings. And what they sort of functioned as were liaisons between human beings and the massive pagan pantheon that they had. Um, We see something similar with both the Greeks and the Egyptians. And I think it's an interesting connection there because the idea of a winged trickster deity who also has a messenger function is pretty common. And they're not always winged, but this whole messenger trickster knowledgeable one, it's kind of everywhere. Hermes is the one that would most notably fall into that. And granted, the wings are on his heels in the form of his shoes. But if you look at Hermes, you can kind of see that there's something angelic about him. And he is the messenger for the gods. He's He fulfills the exact same role that biblical angels fulfill. What's interesting about him is that he's also a trickster. He often makes fools of both mortals and the gods through his mischievous behavior. But anyway, um, the idea of a messenger for the gods 
also being mischievous sounds kind of weird, but we can actually see a precursor there in Christianity itself, because who do we know that is a mischievous angel that causes problems for God and men? Satan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so Hermes and Satan have something interesting like that in common. And I find it doubly interesting when you look at Gnosticism and the, the elevated view that Satan has, and then you look at Hermeticism, which has a similarly elevated view of Hermes as a bringer of knowledge. So Hermes and uh, Additionally, uh, he doesn't match the phenotype here. We've talked about him in other respects, but Anubis. So Hermes and Anubis, which in some cults, uh, post-Greece and uh, – well, not post-Greece, but you know, after, after Egypt sort of had seen better days, we saw sort of cults that unified the two in the form of Hermanubis. So that's another instance where – Something doesn't match up with angels the way we think of them, and yet there's all these overlaps in both their behavior and their function. Man. I've never heard of Hermanubis. Hermanubis, yeah. Yeah, he's basically just a syncretism of Hermes and Anubis. Um, So, yeah, I find it doubly fascinating whenever we see traits of angels in pre-biblical belief structures that exhibit both a positive and a negative sort of behavior. Uh, and the trickster behaviorism that you, we see with, uh, with Hermes is, is especially fun because you can see, and, and some of it could just be the lens that we're viewing it through. You know, it, it's when, when you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. When you view the world through a Christian lens, everything could be categorized as either divine or diabolical. What's fun is when these characters sort of uh, stride in between those lines, and Hermes is a great example of that. Pardon the pun, stride in. (laughs) Uh, I'm too tired to realize what that means. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I guess it's my turn now, right? Uh, I'm talking about biblical angels. Yeah. Yeah, this this topic topic kind of knocked me off of my... uh, my heels. Um, <laughs> you're already on your heels, right? Yeah. Not on your feet. You're just already on your heels. And you just got knocked just off of those. Walking on my heels. <laughs> Anyways, um, talking about biblical angels, and I feel like these are the angels that people think they know, like myself. But then you crack open the Bible, and it's mm-hmm. like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> because when I think of angels, I think of like heavenly glowing figures and beautiful people wearing silky flowy robes yeah. with a golden halo above their head, <laughs> big um, majestic wings. All very pagan, yep. Yeah, that's that's not how Bible actually describes them. The Bible? Do you just call just say no? The Bible. The Bible. Like I know, I know that I didn't pay a lick of attention during CCD church class. Uh, when I was growing up, uh, but how did I miss this, you guys? Like, I feel like I don't know. I was just very taken aback by this entire subject, James. <laughs> but yeah, I I don't know why I never thought about this because it's just like earthly life, and some angels are obviously going to be closer to God at the top of the ladder, and then some are going to be closer to the bottom because there's this hierarchy of angels, Alex. Mm-hmm. Um, and though they are all said to be equal in importance. And according to the Bible, all angels are individuals, <laughs> just like you, James. Yeah. Just like you, Alex. So so I've decided that for my segment, I will describe the various types of angels described mm. in the Bible. Ooh. Nine in total, and they're given responsibilities 
Because biblically speaking, again, there are different kinds of angels with different heavenly jobs. Mm. And while I approached this from a Christian perspective, I did look into how angels are viewed within various religions. And as we've mentioned on previous episodes, the similarities are plentiful between Mm. all of the religions. In most major religions, Christianity, Islam, Judaism, uh, angels are kind of like an extension of God. And they act as intermediaries between us lowly humans and the big guy in the sky himself. Mm -hmm. Hinduism and Buddhism are a little more up for interpretation. When it comes to angels, both religious teachings mention mystical creatures that could some could interpret as being some type of angel. This being more so in Hinduism over Buddhism. But anyways, I will not be delving into angels in those religious lanes. During my spiel right here. Yeah, I think that would be muddying the waters if we did anyway. That's like a yeah. whole other episode. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. So in Christianity, um, I'm going to start with my personal fave, just the regular <laughs> angel, the guardian angel. And they are the ones that watch over individuals. Growing- God, God said that they were all equal. They are. And you picked a favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you're right. I shouldn't say that. But but I feel closer to my guardian angels. But growing up, whenever I get scared in the middle of the night, which was always, my mom would just say, you know, call upon your guardian angel to watch over you and pray to them. And so that's what I would do. And then I wouldn't be quite as scared. still terrified, but would be quite as scared. Because the guardian angels are said to watch over people and keep all the scary things at bay. But just angels as how people.howstuffworks.com listed. <laughs> They are personalized in their work, I guess, because they deal directly with us mortals and act as intermediaries between us and God. So we say, oh, Lord, I'm afraid my boss is mad at me and it's going to fire me. And then the angel puts their little glowing hand on our shoulder and says, all right, child, I'll tell God. And then God hears and is like, oh, well, stop your blubber and life will go on. (laughs) And if anything... You've learned a good lesson here, Cece. Make sure you're not sharing your screen with your boss when you start typing up notes about how he may not know what he's talking about. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I just have, yeah. Anyways, that's a very strange hypothetical. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Okay, anyways, my goodness. Let's stop thinking about it. Virtual meetings are going to be the death of me, you guys. Okay, up next, we have the archangels. And they're similar to the angels I just mentioned, except they have Ark at the beginning. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know more about them than that. No, they're um, different in the sense that they don't <laughs> oversee individual people, um, but rather they come to help and oversee matters involving all mortals. Like, mm. oh, the world is falling apart due to a horrible pandemic and politics are literally the worst. Well, mm. let's get to work, guys. Yeah, I picture archangels as having sort of a martial quality to them you know swords and whatnot yeah and they're i mean they're specifically named in the bible so yeah they're a little higher up the ladder closer to god Mm. so anyways then we got the principalities they're they're like the bosses of the archangels and the regular guardian angels and they're apparently they apparently oversee world religion and politics and they look like rays of sunlight according to what they say and that says in the bible for some reason, I pictured them as little rays of sunlight wearing glasses and ties. <laughs> <laughs> and they're carrying clipboards with little to-do lists on them because they're like the, in my eyes, they're like the district managers because they oversee the archangels and the mm. guardian angels. Mm. You, you, you made angels boring somehow. I didn't make them boring. <laughs> I made them important. They got jobs to do. Okay, next. 
I like that they look like the men in black with clipboards. <laughs> Goodness. <sighs> All right. Next is the powers. They're just called powers. And some theologians have actually considered powers to possibly be evil. But people at HowStuffWorks.com listed that they're like border patrol agents between heaven and earth. And they oversee births and deaths. So I'm not sure if that means they like deliver souls into bodies when babies are born. And does that mean that they're like grim reapers at the end of the life cycle? I don't know. You know, interestingly enough, there's an angel that goes by name that some posit could be the devil or the angel who inflicted the plague of death upon Egypt, or both. And that is Zamiel, a.k.a. the venom of God. Um, And the way that he would reap souls was he would take a sword that was fashioned in heaven, and he would drip venom from it onto the individual and and cause them to die. Oh, my gosh. horribly inefficient. Why would he imagine that? I have a sword for what? Dripping venom. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, powers look like brightly colored hazy fumes. And Wikipedia explained that they are like warrior angels. They protect Earth and humanity from demons. So this is the powers. Hmm. Okay. So we're going to climb up the ladder a little bit further, closer to the Lord. And up next, we're going to run into the virtues. The virtues, angels. Hmm. So the powers look like hazy fumes, but the virtues look like sparks of light. So a little twinkle, twinkle, twinkle. Yeah, the higher up the hierarchy you go, the more it looks like a DMT trip. It looks it looks a lot different because I, in my brain, like I guess I should have known that sparks of light were angels, but mm. I didn't. But these are the virtues, and they're tasked with making sure that the natural world doesn't get off kilter, and they grant miracles to those who are deserving. And this is where my research took a little detour because I always do whenever I'm looking up stuff, and I ended up looking up examples of modern day miracles. And there were so many cool ones, but my faves were the story of a little boy that was born at 27 weeks, so way early, and the doctors tried to revive him, but to no avail, so they gave the little boy to his parents to say goodbye, and then after being held by his parents, the baby came back to life, and now he's a happy, healthy 10-year-old. So they say that was a miracle, and then another cool one, this isn't quite as, you know, dark as that, well, I mean, it's pretty dark, but. Anyway, everyone's okay. A middle schooler was on a trip with his classroom. There's classmates, and they were on a snowy mountain, and they decided to take a group photo. And little boy slipped over the edge of a ledge, and he fell down the mountain. And they said it was a distance equal to two Eiffel Towers is how far he fell. Yeah, and he just... He came out of it with ice burns, you guys. That's crazy. So I never thought about it before, but you can't have a miracle without a tragedy. That's interesting. Yeah, that's that's very true, James. That's your uh, your deep thought for the episode. You've already given us so many, but now James is like, wait. Okay, so next we've got the Dominions, and they receive orders from the angels that I'm going to talk about in a second because we're not that far up yet. But the Dominions receive orders from the higher angels, and then they dole the tasks out to the other angels that I mentioned a minute ago. Mm. And I don't have much info on the Dominions because – Next up, we had an angel that really makes me go, huh? I got a little sidetracked, you guys, by the thrones. Mm-hmm. Oh. Eh. It's not a fancy chair, you guys. It's an angel. <laughs> and 
These are angels that James has actually mentioned, I think, in a couple of our previous episodes. Hmm. But they're the spinning wheels with eyes upon eyes upon eyes. Yeah, that's where we really get into the psychedelic angels that, like, it blows my mind. Can you imagine being some shepherd and something like that shows up and says, be not afraid? Like, of course you'd be afraid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, they, they look, yeah, they, they look like giant spinning spheres just covered in eyes. On fire sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they also dispense the Lord's commands and desires to mankind. If you look up pictures, they have almost an alien-esque look to them. Mm. So some theologians don't actually consider them to be angels, but rather just some type of um, vehicle, maybe? I don't know. Wild, Wild animal. Controlled by the next type of angel, the cherubim. Hmm? That sounds like a flavor of ice cream. Ooh, I'd love some of that. Yeah, cherubim. (laughs) But, okay. Um, The cherubim, these are like everyone's favorite cherubs, but not like (laughs) them at all. Okay? (laughs) Okay. Okay, so Alex, when you think of a cherub, what immediately pops into your mind? A naked baby shooting an arrow with a heart at the end of it all. Wrong. (laughs) You are so wrong (laughs) that is not what this is they look nothing like a cute chubby cheeked cupid according to the bible they actually have four faces one of a man an ox an eagle and a lion and they also have four wings the body of a lion and ox feet Sounds pretty cute. That goes back to Babylon, too. There are Babylonian uh, deities that have those qualities, separate qualities. But, man, it's a flipping rabbit hole. I'm sorry. I'll I'll pull back a little because, boy, howdy. James could talk about this for hours. But the cherubs, they hold the knowledge of God near and dear to their hearts. And they apparently banished Adam and Eve from the Garden of Eden when Eve convinced Adam to eat the sacred apple. But the cherubim were like, they're like, Eve, God had one rule. <laughs> one rule. Now get the heck out of here and go put some clothes on, you filthy. That's what they said. And then one possible notable cherub, do you know who was said to be in this class of angels, Alex? Um, no. Satan. Oh. <laughs> yeah. He was apparently a part of this little group before he fell. Interesting. Or so some people say. And then last, you guys, we've got the seraphim. And they look kind of similar to cherubim with the four faces, but they have six wings. And I think it's one that covers their eyes, their feet, and their their head. Yep. Yeah, there you go. But they've got, got all these different wings, and mm. they glow really brightly. They glow so bright that you got to wear sunglasses when you see them. And there are only <laughs> four... And they are the Lord's bodyguards. They guard him and his throne always. And they're supposedly serpentine in nature. So sometimes I think that these are the ones that are like the fiery serpents. So yeah, they're up there and they're just like watching God in his chair. And those you guys are the biblical angels. And listen, I'm not an angel expert. A lot of these types of angels are kind of interpreted differently by different people because this is religion and it's not completely straightforward. Mm. So different religions obviously are going to view angels in different ways. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Those are the biblical examples of angels, the Ooh. biblical classes of angels. Uh, okay. Well, I'm just going to add a little addendum then to the biblical angels that, uh, you know, as we talked earlier, we mentioned free will. Well, one common theological issue with free will 
regarding angels is that if angels don't have free will, then how did Satan rebel? And Islam came up with an interesting solution to that, which is that Iblis, the version of Satan, is not an angel. He's actually a jinn. And so as such, he's capable of exercising free will. So I just thought that's kind of neat. Huh. Interesting. Jen, we've got to do an episode on them. In the yeah. They're, they're interesting. Yeah. All right, Alex, are you going to tell us about some modern day interpretations of the angels? Yes. yes. All right. So for mine, I had modern angels. And the only way I could think about doing that is modern encounters with three different angels who did three different things. Ooh, so, vignettes. Interesting. Yeah, so vignettes. So, my first one, I've got, I, I pulled two of these off of uh, beliefnet.com. And then my last one, I pulled off of mysteriousuniverse.com. And these are all different accounts of different angels. So, Annabelle Beam was a nine-year-old girl who fell 30 feet into a hollowed out tree. Uh, by the time, what? yeah, so she fell 30 feet and just fell perfectly in this hollowed out tree where this emergency helicopter came. They had to pull her out of it and they really expected severe brain and spinal injuries. Now, when they pulled her out, they didn't see any problems. And when they got to the hospital, everyone's looking all over and not really... Any scratches, no bruises, no severe injuries. I mean, obviously, the severe injuries would probably be the first thing they noticed. Um, so, what what happened to Annabelle? Well, Annabelle describes what happened after she hit inside the tree. And she said that she saw, she started to wake up, and she could hear the firemen's voices that were trying to get her. And she said she small, saw a very small angel, like a fairy. Hmm. So, not what you would typically expect. And she said that the fairy, one of the reasons I picked the story, because I thought the uh, angel had some personality. I said <laughs> the angel winked at her and told her, I'm going to leave you now, and everything is going to be okay. Aww. And so, the angel stayed with her the entire time until uh, the chopper arrived to pull her out, and then it disappeared. She yeah. was rescued. Wow. So, <laughs> she saw a... Small fairy like a spunky fairy. You know, that's or interesting. Angel. I like every time I think of guardian angels, because to me that sounds like a guardian angel is guarding over her and protecting her. But in my brain, guardian angels were always like big. But what if they are just like little tiny pocket sized angels? I mean, that's <laughs> it sounds possible. like she had a fairy miracle instead of an angel. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> uh the other story is about Pastor John Boston. Boston. Yeah. Boston. Do you know about him already? Or no, you just heard I'm just, Boston? Oh, okay. I'm just excited <laughs> about his name. So he was, he was driving down the road and another car veered into his lane. He went to miss him and he struck a utility pole where the transformer fell off of it and landed onto his car. Uh, and it was so hot, it started melting the glass oh. in front of him. And he has his four year old daughter in the back as well. And oh so. God. You know, there's all this electricity. Everything's melting. He can't get his seatbelt off. He can't open the door. He can't do anything. And suddenly, he sees a scruffy-looking stranger come out of nowhere, and he easily smashed the door open and got it open, and he removed him and his daughter from the car. He walked him away 20 feet, 
and then the car exploded. Oh my god! And <laughs> this guy said to him, he said, "My name is Johnny. The police are almost here, and I, I can't be here when they get here, but you're gonna be okay." And then he said he was gone. Oh my! <laughs> did he just like disappear, or does or he just run away? <clears throat> it sounds like he ran away. <laughs> and he said that. Even the firefighters tried to figure out what happened because it didn't seem possible that he should be able to even have gotten out of the car. Man. And so Pastor Boston is convinced that it was an angel, a scruffy looking scruffy. Uh, angel that could have been just a homeless man on PCP doing a good <laughs> deed. Nice. <laughs> man. But uh, this last one is a really interesting one. It's... Uh, this is a report from Joan Risling, and she works. She, she's a hospice caregiver, and she takes a lot, you know, as you know, at a hospice-like place, taking care of a lot of people that are on their last legs. They got terminal illnesses, so Aww. she's watching over them. And she said she had this one relationship with one patient that was very close, and she they would often have long discussions about. Just spiritual things whenever the patient was lucid. And she said early in the morning, she walked in. And one of the things that she always did was she walked in and went straight to the blinds and opened them because he liked to see outside. So she gets to the blinds and she hears the words, please leave the blinds closed in a low, multi-layered voice. Multi-layered voice. Mm. And she said that she looked over and she saw the female figure sitting beside him. And her lips never moved when she said this. Ooh. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know why it's giving me chills, but it is. Yeah, this one actually gave me a little bit of chills. Uh, And so she said, in the existing room light, her pale, thin face was skeletal on one side. So half of her face was a skeleton. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I still feel and, very angelic, even by the PCP and, standards. And somewhat normal on the other, except for the darkness of her eyes and her sunken cheekbones. I just stood there in awe as she placed her spider-like hand over his heart, and he opened his eyes. Upon seeing me first, he smiled and said, Good morning, Joan. Then he calmly noticed her. His smile broadened. She bent down and kissed him and pulled her hand down firmly on his chest. Again, he looked over at me and said, Isn't she beautiful? How can anyone be afraid of death? I felt tears welling up in my eyes, wanted to rush over and take his other hand. But for whatever reason, I was paralyzed where I stood. It was weird. I could actually see the life force draining out of him, coming out of his fingertips into hers. Almost immediately, his heart monitor went dead and the alarm sounded. I turned for only a brief second toward the door as others were rushing in. When I turned back, she was gone. Stan, my patient, was finally at peace, and all I could do was smile back at his corpse. Ever since that particular incident, the work I do here is even more important than I had ever dreamed. I keep hoping to catch her again and taste that bit of sweetness Stan did that morning. <laughs> I'm, get, I'm like about <laughs> to cry. <laughs> but yeah, Oof. this is uh, her her account of the angel, an angel of death. Dang, well, that sounds scary. <laughs> but at least he found peace in it. Yeah, and I guess that she 
comforted by it. Yeah. Jeez Louise. <laughs> you okay, Cece? Yeah. Cece's about to cry I've over got here. little tears in my eyes. That just gave me all the feels. Yeah, that, reading that story initially, I was like, oh, I don't want to do any more research. <laughs> yeah, honestly, when Alex was doing his research, when he was doing his angels research, he got to a point where he just sh- shut his uh, his laptop and he just looked at me and he said, I'm going to bed. <laughs> After that, man. Yeah, wow. there's a few angel of death accounts uh, that are like, oh. Dang. <laughs> man. But they are, they're always relatively happy in this really kind of dark way. Morbid way. I guess it's like the person has found peace, but... Hmm. Yeah, I think it's interesting that the the angel in question looked like a memento mori. Because if you look at memento mori paintings, they, aka "Remember You Will Die" paintings, uh, they often have like you know half of a normal face and half of a skeletal face. So that's that's very. Hmm. James, what do you think of that? Uh, I don't know what to think of that. I feel almost like maybe if it did happen, then maybe it was taking on a physical appearance of something that she understood, aka. A, Memento Mori imagery. Either that or Memento Mori imagery was inspired by encounters with divine creatures, which I suppose See, is possible. I, when I hear stories about that, I just think angels don't have to be seen. So in my opinion, it would want to have been seen in that mm-hmm. moment. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Angels Angels are intriguing, you know? Yeah, and they've been the topic of so much debate that there's even – uh, an expression that I'd say many of our listeners have heard before. Basically, if people are are debating too many things to to too fine a degree, with no clear resolution, just for the sake of being scholarly, in other words, uh, like reducto ad absurdum, uh, people will often mock that by saying, "Well, how many angels can dance on the head of a pin?" It's it's you know something that you could never quantify or evaluate rationally and so uh i think it's interesting that angels i I gotta stop saying i think it's interesting so much but i really do i think it's interesting that (laughs) that uh, angels are such a hotly contested topic and 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 very controversial and debated topic and it just so happens that an idiom about debating angels is used to explain people who debate things too much (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh well you guys that is that's angels do you guys have yeah. anything else you want to add because i feel like james james i know that you could have talked for five hours about angels yeah i, I will ask one more question and that is do you guys think angels can be male or female or that they are more you know androgynous or hermaphroditic or whatever in my brain I, mm. they're both male and female angels uh, that's how I've always pictured it, but that doesn't mean I'm right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for sure. Part of what I was wondering is is that's also a hotly debated topic, and it just so happens that in in the Babylonian and Phoenician and Assyrian uh, pre biblical view, they they had clear cut genders. Most were male, but some were female, including Lilith, who definitely influenced uh, some some biblical views as well. So yeah, that's interesting. Because it's, I've always thought of them as they're being both male and female. But now I want to ask my hmm. spiritual healer what she thinks. <laughs> All right, you guys. Well, that is angels for next week. We're gonna take a break from drawing out of the vase because next week, you guys, it is gonna be Christmas. So we are actually going to be discussing some creepy Christmas tales. <laughs> yeah. For our next episode, so. 
ho, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we'll draw from the vase again next week. But I guess that's that's really all that we have for right now. If you want to submit a topic so that we can draw from the vase possibly next week or in the new year as it is rapidly approaching, mm. you can send your topics to us at 13th Floor Podcast on Instagram via email, 13thfloorpodcast at gmail.com. You can also submit them to us on our Facebook page or on our website, 13thfloorpodcast.com. So, Alex, who does our music? Our music is by Grant Cook. You can find us music on Spotify, Amazon Music, iTunes, anywhere you listen to music. So until next time, you guys, we hope that you can keep, keep it strange. Wow, oh, Alex, you popped on. Yeah, kill me.